Hey, Scott Walker here, and thanks for joining us on our inaugural podcast. That's right, first time ever. Hope you enjoy it and hope you'll keep coming back. Later today, I'll be filling in for Mark Belling on News Talk 1130 WISN in Milwaukee. That's AM 1130 from 3 until 6 o'clock p.m. Central Time. I, I hope you'll join us for what I hope will be three hours of interesting and stimulating discussion about things like, well, big topic this week, the 2020 presidential election. President Trump getting in the race officially, obviously none of us thought he wouldn't be, but with him and Mike Pence back on the ticket going into the 2020 election and boy, an ever-growing field. At some point, they're going to have to rent uh, a coliseum as big as the place where the president kicked off his campaign just to host those debates, because it seems like every week there's another Democrat running for president. But for now, we're going to spend the next oh, 20 minutes or so talking about pay raises and property taxes. You know, the lieutenant governor in Wisconsin is actually delinquent paying his property taxes. He doesn't seem to understand why other taxpayers might be upset about it. But first, we're going to talk about pay raises. In fact, congressional pay is the topic of my column this week in the opinion section of the Washington Times. That's right. Every Friday, I write a column for the Washington Times. You can check it out either in the print edition or at WashingtonTimes.com. Uh, this week, we talk about congressional pay. So, so let me set this up. U.S. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or AOC as we commonly call her. So AOC hasn't even been in office for a year, and she now wants a pay increase. I can only imagine what the late-night comedians would be doing to her if she was Republican. I mean, think about that. She would be the butt of joke after joke on Comedy Central, and she's probably getting trolled as we speak on social media. The audacity of the socialist Democrat who, who just took office this last January, now advocating for a pay increase of nearly $5,000. Remember, members of Congress already make $174,000 per year. Now, AOC actually defended her stance by saying this. Now, stick with me on this. She said, there's so much pressure to turn to lobbying firms and to cash in on member service after people leave because of precisely of this issue. So it may be politically convenient and it may make you look good in the short term for saying, oh, we're not voting for pay increases, but we should be fighting for pay increases for every American worker. We should be fighting for a $15 minimum wage pegged to inflation so that everybody in the United States with a salary, with a, a wage gets a cost of living increase. Members of Congress, retail workers, everybody should get a cost of living increase to account for the changes in our economy. And then we don't do that. It, it only increases the pressure on members to exploit loopholes like insider trading loopholes to make it on the back end. End quote. That, that's exactly what she said. That's word for word, even as convoluted as it was. That's her defense. So listen closely. I, I want to explain there are three fundamental problems with AOC's argument here. First off, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, that's the agency within the U.S. Department of Labor that measures things like unemployment and weekly, rate, weekly uh, earnings. The Bureau of Labor Statistics says that median weekly earnings of the nation's 116.1 million full-time wage and salary workers were $905. That's median weekly earnings were $905 in the first quarter of 2019. So if you, you take that out over 52 weeks, that equals over $47,000. In fact, 47060 to be exact. So compare that just over 47000 Compare that to 174000 That's the annual salary of a member of Congress, people like AOC. 
Remember, prior to being elected, Representative Ocasio-Cortez was a bartender in New York City. Now, I went on and checked. According to salary.com, the average bartender salary in New York City is just over $25,000 as of the end of last month. Now, to me, I don't know about you listening in, but that sounds like AOC already got one heck of a pay raise when she took office in January. The bottom line is that most Americans already believe that Congress is paid too much. Now, secondly, I think it's pretty clear that maybe, maybe it would be different on that account if the public actually believed that the members of Congress earn their salaries. But instead, look at the mess we see in our nation's capital. The federal debt now exceeds $22 trillion. That means that a child born today in America inherits more than $67,000 worth of debt. Now, people talk a lot, and rightfully so, about student loan debt. But if you look at the average student loan debt that a, a graduate of our colleges and universities has today around the country, it's, it's about half of what we're talking about for the, the amount of money that a child born in America right now inherits, over $67,000. When I was born way back in, in November 2nd of 1967, the national debt that year was $326 million. That was about 38% of the national economy. Uh, they would measure it uh, through the GDP, the gross domestic product, unlike one of my former colleagues actually know what that is. So back in 67, when the national debt was $326 million, my share, as a newly born child back in 67, my share of the debt was $1,640. You fast forward several decades, uh, by 2008, when Barack Obama, of course, was elected as the nation's 44th president, the national debt had grown to $10 trillion. So it went from $326 million to $10 trillion. That was about 68% of the national economy. Now, eight years later, at the end of the Obama-Biden administration, the national debt had nearly doubled to $19.6 trillion. Think about that. From In 2008, it's $10 trillion. By the end of the Obama-Biden era, it's $19.6, nearly $20 trillion. That's an eye-popping 104% of our national economy. Yeah, you heard me right. That means our debt is more than the overall economy in the United States of America. Today, a few years later, the national debt now has exceeded $22 trillion. Think about that. That is six and a half times larger than all the federal revenues. All the revenues that come into the federal government are about $3.3 trillion. That's six and a half times larger when you equate for the national, national debt. Or, or put that in a more realistic perspective, that would be like having an annual salary of $33,000 while having a credit card debt of $220,000. Ultimately, that's leading to failure. Our federal lawmakers cannot seem to do anything permanent about the growing debt problems facing our nation, which is an aside and something I'll talk about more in future podcasts. This is exactly why I've been advocating and I'm working to advocate that the states, the states actually lead on this issue and pass balanced budget amendment resolutions. We need 34 to get this issue brought up. We're at 28 right now, but we're, we're advocating for that to force the federal government to balance the budget once and for all. You see, if the members of Congress cannot balance a budget, and if they keep growing the federal debt, why in the world would we give them a raise? Which leads to the third point, and I think arguably the most ridiculous case the AOC is making, 
that she and other members need a pay raise or else, as she said, they'll exploit loopholes. Let that logic sink in for a minute. So AOC, my, my message to you is simple. You make three to four times what the typical worker makes in America. You can't even balance the federal budget. You, you're talking about plans like hers with the so-called Green New Deal would make it only worse. So you can't even balance the budget. It's growing out of control. They keep spending and spending and spending. They can't get hardly anything done in Washington. And her conclusion is that the hardworking taxpayers of America should give her and other members of Congress a pay increase to keep them from exploiting loopholes. Wow, this is precisely why Congress has an approval rating that hovers somewhere around 20%. Yeah, I know over the years, having looked at a, a polling in that, 20% is, is pretty low. I mean, that's, that's basically not too much more than just family and close friends. Now, in contrast, when I took over my, my county government, I lived in Milwaukee County. That's where Tonette and I raised our sons, Matt and Alex. When, when I took over the county government my area years ago, things were an absolute mess. There was a big pension scandal. There were all sorts of issues out there. And, and to top that all off, the guy I replaced, the previous county executive, actually made more than the governor of the state at the time. So from 2002 to 2010, I returned more than $370,000 of my own wages to the taxpayers. It really helped make the case for the kind of reforms we needed to enact to make the county government better. Years later, when I, I took over state government in 2010, uh, we inherited a $3.6 billion structural deficit. And, and many of the bills that were left were left unpaid. In fact, the, they had raided the transportation fund. They'd raided the fund that paid for uh, families and patients uh, after there was a medical malpractice case. They'd, they'd raided all sorts of things out there. We, we at the time, and I had the help from Republican legislators, it, we went from all blue to, to, to all red. Republicans took over the Assembly and the Senate. Together, we made a series of changes to require public employees to pay a portion of their retirement and health care premiums, like just about everybody else in society does. My family, not somebody else's, my family, Tonette and I, along with the boys, our family paid thousands and thousands more than the previous governor did for my pension and health insurance premiums. But I got to tell you, it was worth it to balance the budget. Now, I can remember my brother David, who's a few years younger than me and has a beautiful family that lives just down the way from us in Waukesha County. My brother David told me that at the time, some of the public workers who went to his church were complaining and, and getting a little bit of uh, a support along the way. They were complaining particularly about me and, and the reforms that we had started. But he mentioned that after the first weekend or two, uh, uh, things, things turned around. In fact, he said those people stopped talking uh, about their, their issue with me. And I, I remember at the time asking him what happened. He told me, well, that when the other members of the church heard that many of the public workers weren't paying anything, anything for the health insurance premiums, and that they weren't paying for their portion of their retirement, uh, the fellow church members actually got upset with them. Not, not at me, but upset. They, they couldn't believe it as taxpayers uh, that, that that would happen. You see, because people like my brother were paying far more for their health insurance premiums and, and far more for their retirement benefits than I was even asking the public employees to pay for after our reforms, let alone what they had before. That's why I knew that my family, just like every other family of a public servant in our state, had, had to bear this burden as well. And, and ours did, I think if you look at the numbers, probably as much or greater than just about anyone else out there. In the end, many of the unions and liberal groups, not surprisingly, lied about the impact on me and the impact on members of the state legislature. Each of us, each of us took a cut in our take-home pay, but it was worth it. 
It was worth it absolutely to get our state back on sound fiscal ground. Today, the state of Wisconsin is in great shape. The rainy day fund's 190 times bigger than we first took office. We went from having a $3.6 billion structural deficit that we inherited to every year I was in office, we finished with a budget surplus. Uh, our, not only is our rainy day fund larger, but the pension system in Wisconsin is one of only a handful in America that's, that's fully funded. And the national agencies actually increased our bond rating, all, all signs of our good and sound fiscal management. We will do all that and still invest in our priorities and at the same time still reduce the tax burden on the hardworking people of Wisconsin by over $8 billion. So I think it's pretty clear. I, I can say with absolute authority that until members of Congress start to balance the federal budget, they do not deserve a pay increase. And speaking of audacity, you know, the relatively new lieutenant governor of Wisconsin, Medela Barnes, has a problem paying his taxes. As I mentioned at the onset, we're going to talk about pay increases and property taxes. Now, many of you who don't necessarily reside or follow Wisconsin politics may not know, and you may not have heard about this, so let me fill you in. Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes has not paid his 2018 property taxes for a home that he has in the city of Milwaukee, according to the municipal records. With interest and penalties, he actually owes $2,225.43, according to the local newspaper. Uh, reporter Dan Bice broke the story about a week ago. Uh, ironically, just yesterday, the lieutenant governor walked out of a tele television interview where he said, the check is in the mail. Think about that. The check is in the mail. You, you can't make this stuff up. Can you imagine the coverage if this had been a Republican? My goodness, we, everybody listening would know about it. It would be a national story. It would be known from one coast to the other out there. Even more ironic, though, is that Barnes and the other Democrats in Wisconsin are actually advocating for a budget that increases taxes by more than a billion dollars, more than a billion dollars on the hardworking taxpayers of this state. And, and this budget allows property taxes to go up on the hardworking citizens of Wisconsin. So they're advocating for more taxes. They're advocating for higher property taxes. But the lieutenant governor can't pay his own property taxes, which, by the way, if you think about it, this is June. Property taxes in Wisconsin, as I imagine they are in most places across the country, are due near the end of the year or the beginning of the following year, not due in June. He is delinquent. Now, <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, so when he gets confronted for the story uh, about his delinquent taxes, his only response is to say that it checks in the mail. Now, besides the fact that it's bad enough that you've got somebody who's in the second highest office in the land not paying his property taxes in the first place. But you'd think, after the reporter brought it up a week ago, a week ago, that the first thing you'd do would be to run out and pay your property taxes. At least that would be the thing. If, I, if somehow it legitimately slipped your mind, which I can't imagine it would be, but once a reporter, and I got to believe Dan Bice started confronting about this long before the story ran last week, at the end of last week, but you'd think he'd pay it. But no, instead, when a, a reporter put a microphone in front of his face at a parade yesterday in Milwaukee, got upset, walked away, and on the way out said, hey, the check's in the mail. Boy, you just can't make this step up. And don't forget, this is the same guy, Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes, the same guy who failed to pay his parking tickets for nearly a year. And at the beginning of this month, uh, that same reporter, Dan Bice, looked into the fact that a municipal judge had fined him for not paying for his past parking tickets. He actually could not renew his vehicle registration until he paid the fine. Now, on top of all that, an online publication, wispolitics.com, reported last month 
the Wisconsin State Patrol's Dignitary Protection Unit now spends nine times as many hours protecting Barnes. So they spent nine times as many hours protecting Lieutenant Governor Barnes over a two-month period as they did protecting the former Lieutenant Governor, Rebecca Clayfish, in all of 2018. I guess he now doesn't have to worry about paying for parking tickets, you know, see with the state patrol driving around all the time. Well, maybe if things don't work out right, they can pay his property tax bills too. That is, in case it really isn't in the mail. Well, that's about all the time we have this week for this podcast, but we invite you to join us again next Friday. Uh, each week on Friday, we're going to post our podcast at 9 a.m., and we invite you to join us. In fact, I'm, uh, before then, I'm looking forward to visiting with a bunch of great folks down in Travis County. That's where Austin, the capital of the state of Texas, is at. Travis County Republican Party Reagan Day event coming up this Thursday. I'm looking forward to joining folks there. It's been a thrill traveling the country, whether it's uh, in states like Wisconsin or recently I've even been in Vermont, in Burlington, Vermont. Spoke to the Republican Party of Vermont there, the hometown of Bernie Sanders. And not to be disappointed, he, he put out the word and they had something like four to 500 uh, protesters show up for us. Uh, something I guess I should have expected in Bernie Sanders' hometown. But whether it's in Travis County or in Vermont or anywhere else across the country, it's great to see folks from one end of this country to the other to talk about how positive conservative reforms actually work and to give you some insights. So we hope to continue that, not only when we travel around the country, but we hope you'll take a chance to continue to listen in. Fridays at 9, our podcast will be posted. Until then, I hope you'll follow me on Twitter, at Scott Walker. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash scottkwalker, or visit our, our website, scottwalker.com, for more details not only on social media and our podcasts, but on many more things exciting in the future. Having said all that, I hope each and every one of you listening in will have a great weekend. Be safe out there, and as always, continue the fight for freedom. I'm Scott Walker. Thanks for joining me.